It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? MFFSOSS.com at MFFSOSS. Turner Strip. Turner.tv slash AJ Nick3. Big show on this Thursday edition of the pod. We got a gigantic football weekend between Thursday and Sunday. A lot of big games across pro football, across college football, of course, with conference championship week ahead of the playoff teams getting announced on Sunday. So we'll talk about that in the kickoff. Then we'll do our NFL Week 13 preview. Then uh, talk a little college football playoff rankings uh, into a preview of the Big Five, uh, the Power Five championship games. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do a, a Champions League match day five recap and some stipulations heading into match day six for uh, if you qualify, not qualify, that issues. Then all oh, weekend soccer preview, EPL, La Liga, Serie A, Bundesliga, Ligue 1, and then some college basketball. And then we'll, we'll of course, do Star Pullocks and Pick 6 at the end of the program. So a big show, ton to talk about, gigantic football weekend, NFL Week 13 preview, college football, Conference championship previews, Champions League match day five recap, weekend soccer preview, some college basketball, and then Sarah Pulaks and pick six, of course. So um, let's just dive right into it. Kick it off. Gigantic football weekend. Thursday night, we get a hopefully a good Thursday night game because it's Cowboys, Seahawks, Cowboys, a good team in the NFC. Yes, not the top team behind, clearly behind. The Eagles and the Niners for people to debate that. And I'm sure, you know, Lions fans or Seahawks fans would say they could uh, beat the Cowboys on their day as well. So I'm sure it's up for debate. But nevertheless, two, I'd say, of the better NFC teams, because there's a lot of bad NFC teams. And even though Seattle hasn't played some great ball recently, they're still a pretty good NFC team. So big game on Thursday night. Then Friday Pac-12, the rematch, Oregon-Washington, Friday night in Vegas. Uh, prime time for the East Coast. Uh, late afternoon kick, I guess, out there on uh, in Vegas on a Friday night, Friday evening um, in the uh, Raiders Stadium. So that will kind of give us one of the playoff teams most likely, right? Because if Washington wins, they'll stay in the top four. And if Oregon wins, they should take Washington's spot, right? So... That will be our first team to kind of lock in a spot for that selection show on Sunday. And then Saturday, it is all afternoon wall-to-wall of college football. Big 12 at noon, SEC at 4, and then two games to flip through in primetime, the Big 10 game and then the ACC Conference Championship game as well. Um, a gigantic Saturday. Start with Texas trying to make a case because, unfortunately, they got put behind Ohio State as well as being in front of Bama Shore, but they're still behind Ohio State, so they'd have to jump a team that's not playing. That is possible because we've seen it done before when teams aren't playing. We've seen teams that win behind them be able to jump them, so they've set that precedent, right? So Big 12 to start it off. Can Texas have a big performance, or does Oklahoma State pull the upset and really give an Ohio State or a Bama a path in if things fell their way? Right, So that's the Big 12 game. Then into the SEC, where we either can slot Georgia into that one seed, 
possibly drop them down to two or three if they lose this game and figure out if Bama, as a one-loss SEC champion, will be left out somehow of this playoff, right? So that's at 4 o'clock. And then we finish it off on Saturday night with the Big Ten going uh, with the ACC game concurrently on different networks, obviously. So Big Ten on Fox, I think ACC's on ABC. And Florida State without their Heisman hopeful quarterback, Travis Roadmaker in. Can the Knowles win against Louisville and say, hey, we're undefeated. We should be in the playoff. You know, I'm going to talk a little bit later about the deserve narrative, but if an undefeated Florida State ACC champion gets left out, that would be really, really interesting, right? So you have that game going on. If they can cement an, uh, an undefeated season, they should certainly be in is their uh, argument, right? And Louisville, similar position that Oklahoma State is in, can they pull the upset? Now, both Oklahoma State and Louisville are in the position that Iowa is in, but Iowa, listen, the offense has been putrid. Michigan's defense is really, really good. Michigan's offense is really, really solid. I understand Iowa's defense is good, and Iowa's special teams are really good, but Michigan... <laughs> I don't think they've beaten Ohio State three years in a row to get to this conference title game and lose it to Iowa. You know what I'm saying? Um, so Michigan should be able to lock in their place. And then we wait until Sunday at noon before the NFL comes back on, and we will get our top four. We will find out how the committee rank the top four and who is in the final Four-team playoff in college football. Who's maybe representing the Pac-12 in the final season of the Pac-12, even though Oregon State and Washington State got the naming rights. I understand they got the naming rights, but it's never going to be the same as we know with all these teams leaving it. So that's on Sunday morning. And then Sunday afternoon, hopefully we get the game that we needed in the conference championship of the NFC last January. Niners going to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles and we know that game changed on the Purdy injury. It was, I don't want to say it was even, you know, like it's so different. Everything changes if Purdy doesn't get hurt. He's still so young in his career. He's played a lot more games since then. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but you would have, you would have definitely got a different game. Maybe not a different outcome with the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. Maybe the Eagles still win the game even if Purdy is healthy. But you get a different game, that's for sure. Uh, the Niners' offense was a joke. <laughs> it was it was a joke. They couldn't throw the ball. Um, and then Johnson came in and got hurt as well, so that was crazy. So Sunday, we get a proper uh, rematch of that game uh, in Philadelphia. So to cap it off, Thursday to Sunday you know, evening, a lot of great football. You know, I know Thursday night hasn't been the best games. I know Monday night hasn't been the best games either, but Thursday night specifically hasn't been the best games. Seattle, Dallas, two NFC teams that are in the top percentage of the NFC. So hopefully we get a good game there. Pac-12 Friday night, the last real Pac-12 championship, Oregon-Washington before they go to the Big Ten. Battle it out one more time for the Conference of Champions uh, to get into the postseason in the 14 playoff, right? Because if Oregon wins, they should take Washington's spot. Everybody kind of agrees with that. So we have that Friday night, and then you line it up on Saturday. Big 12 at noon, SEC at 4, and then the night games, Big 10 and ACC going concurrently. And then Sunday, we hear about who the four teams are 
in the early afternoon and then late afternoon, Niners-Eagles. What a matchup in Philadelphia. So a gigantic football weekend looking uh, very forward to it. So let's dive into a little bit more of the football weekend. Let's go NFL Week 13 preview. Baltimore, Buffalo, Chicago, Vegas, Minnesota, the New York football giants on the bye. So six teams on the bye. Not as many games, but that's all right. So Seattle, Dallas on Thursday night. Cowboys have been crushing teams at home. Both these teams coming off Thursday night, uh, Thursday games on Thanksgiving. So um, full rest, quote unquote. It's not like a team's going short. Uh, a team that played not on Thanksgiving playing another team. Like both these teams played on Thanksgiving. So that's got no real rest issues there. Cowboys relatively healthy, uh, getting some guys back that they missed in that Thanksgiving game. Seattle showed a little bit of heart after the tip pick to stay in that game, but they uh, couldn't get in the end zone enough to get it closer and possibly take the lead. Cowboys have been really, really good at home. Cowboy defense has just been turning guys over left and right and giving the Cowboy offense short fields and opportunities and even scoring touchdowns with the pick sixes and the scooping scores and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think the Cowboys win the football game. I think it's a better contest than some of these other games have been for the Cowboys at home. They've been blowing teams out at home. I think Seattle comes in. Pete Carroll's a good coach. The defense is good enough. Witherspoon on that back end is having a really good rookie season. I think Seattle hangs around. I don't think it's a blowout, but the Cowboys win the game. Denver and Houston on Sunday. This is a really, really interesting game because Houston is, what, a yard and a half from forcing overtime last week against Jacksonville, and if they beat Jacksonville, they control the AFC South after beating them twice. They'll hold the tiebreaker, all that and, and more. But instead, he hits the crossbar. It comes out. They don't go to overtime. You know, Stroud took those sacks. They had a couple other misplays here and there. A couple, another missed field goal, if I'm not mistaken, in Amendola earlier in the game. So Houston had some mistakes and still had opportunity last week. I, I think they will play better. And Denver, to me, again, defensively coming along a little bit sure. They haven't played a bunch of world beaters besides the, the Mahomes game. So, and also, Russ, the plays that were going against him for so long where, you know, it gets tipped up in the air and picked, or he's dancing, dancing, gets sacked, forced fumble, all that kind of stuff. A lot of those plays are now going his way again. So, I think at some point that will come back to earth and give me Houston at home in this spot. Chargers go up to New England. New England is in a really, really tough spot uh, with the quarterback position because I, I, again, think Mac Jones hasn't really been given um, a successful, like, a way to succeed in New England. The offensive line hasn't been good. The offensive coaching hasn't been good. I, I understand O'Brien's there now, but it's it hasn't been great this season either. I understand he's at least an offensive mind, unlike Joe Judge and who was it, Patricia last year calling the plays, like defensive guys. That doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. Um, but the Pats offense is really, really anemic. Even if it's Jones, even if it's Zappy, they always find ways to turn the ball over. It doesn't matter. Chargers easily could find a way to lose this game, but I just think Herbert is so good that they won't be in a one-possession game in the fourth quarter to lose it. Does that make sense? I, I think that the Chargers will create a little bit of distance in the scoreboard where 
even if the Pats are storming back in the fourth quarter or they do turn the ball over with like a Keenan Allen fumble or an Eckler fumble or something along those lines, I don't think it will um, have them lose the game. Maybe it'll make it more interesting, but I don't think they'll lose the game. So give me the charge to get a road win in New England. Detroit, New Orleans. This is an interesting matchup because New Orleans still has a shot to win their division, still has a shot to host a home playoff game. Um and, and be a division champ and add to a banner kind of a thing. So Detroit's defense coming off not the best performance again. They've been giving up points. Offensively, they've been turning the ball over, and some of these fourth down decisions have not been going their way. They faked the punt against the Packers in their own end that really kind of iced their chances of coming back in that game. I think Dan Campbell's a better coach than Allen. I think... Goff's a better quarterback than Carr. And even though it's on the road and I don't trust this line defense at all whatsoever, give me the Lions to find a way to win in New Orleans. I, I know it could be asking a lot, but there's a part of me that just thinks this Lions team will find a way to bounce back. A little bit of extra rest. Uh, still probably going to be pissed off about that Packer game and letting it get away from them early enough. Uh, that they had to do all that crazy stuff with fourth down and, and punt, fake punts and all that garbage that they did. So give me Detroit. Finds a way to win on the road. Arizona and Pittsburgh in the Berg. This is going to be ugly. This is going to be even the Steelers might be losing this game at some point. But the Steelers have shown me that they find ways to win games. Watt gets a strip sack. Somebody gets a pick. Pickett actually throws a good ball to Pickens. They set up a... Harris runs in a long run. Warren has a long run. Boswell makes all the kicks. Like, the Steelers just find ways to win games. I hear Steelers fans complaining about Tomlin. Tomlin, if you fired him, he would get a job within an hour. I'm not kidding. Like, the, people would be like, Tomlin got fired, call his agent. Oh, it's the line's busy. Like, that's what I'm talking Like, the Steelers fans are so spoiled. Like, I, 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 really, I, I really pity them because to have a successful coach like Tomlin and be and have winning football teams consistently that's so like look at the Patriots right now look at the Giants right now these are teams that won in franchises that won multiple Super Bowls and they are horrendous and the Patriots at least still have Belichick but the Giants have had since Coughlin think about the coaches okay like To me, you have one of the top coaches in the game, and you want to fire him because you haven't. You've only won one Super Bowl. You know how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. You should know. You've been a good team. You should be admiring your like. He would have. He would get a job in an hour. An hour, an owner would be like, "Okay, I don't even need to interview him. Come on." Steelers don't fire coaches. That's just ridiculous. Anyway, back to this game. Pittsburgh will find a way to win the game. They could be struggling. They could be losing. They could even be losing in the second half. Kyler maybe make a few plays on offense for the for the Cardinals. But Pickett playing better since Canada got fired, throwing the ball over the middle field. I saw that. Mina Kynes, I think that was a stat from her. I saw her on Twitter tweet about him throwing the ball over the middle. That's a good stat. Uh, give her credit there. I like the Steelers here. I do. I think it, it's going to be ugly. They're, they're going to be. <laughs> and listen, if it's like 20 nothing and they're blowing them out and I say, hey, tip your hat. 
great win. You know what I mean? But I don't know. It just that just hasn't been Steeler football this year. But I don't think they lose this game. Arizona's not a good football team. And they go to Pittsburgh and win. Come on, please. Atlanta and the New York football Jets. Atlanta, a team in this NFC South, along with New Orleans, along with Tampa, that have an opportunity as a not good football team to win a division and host a home playoff game and anything could happen, as we know, right? In that kind of situation. So Atlanta with Ritter, it's not good. It's not good enough, but maybe with Bijan Robinson getting the ball more, they're doing a better job of having an efficient enough offense where you can hide some of Ritter's inefficiencies. But the Jet defense is pretty good. So I'm looking to watch that matchup specifically because obviously who wants to watch the Jet offense right now? Boyle going up again. Oh, my God. And I understand Rodgers did the 21-day practicing. Listen, if he plays a snap this year, it's a mistake. I understand he wants to come back this year, same year after an ACL. It would be a mistake. You can come back and practice fine. Gear up for next year. Gear up for week one next year. You know, give the Jets everything you got next year. Because this year, it's a, what are you going to come back for? Now you're just coming back for you then. That's really selfish. So, I don't know. Maybe that's up his alley. Who knows? But I could see the Jets winning a close game if it's low scoring. If the Falcons do go up and down the field against the Jet offense, or Jet defense, sorry, and they either end drives and coup field goals or actually do get in the end zone with touchdowns, it could be a really long day for the Jets, even though Atlanta is not a good football team. If Atlanta is able to matriculate the ball down the field, get into the end zone, or end, drive with, end drives with field goals and points, I don't know how many points the Jet offense can actually put up. I understand Boyle is this guy that's Rodgers' friend, and he's like a film savant, and he helps in the quarterback room. He can't play a lick. This guy cannot play. Okay. So I understand everybody clowning on Wilson or whatever because it's easy. It's a meme. It, it's really easy to do. Pick on it. Fine. He's better than the Boyle guy. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody says. Okay, please. Now, as for this game, I think Atlanta wins it. Indianapolis and Tennessee. Tennessee is going to be a team that people are going to talk about here with the postseason uh, possibly getting a berth because I think they have two games against the Jags, if I'm not mistaken. So... We'll see what happens with Tennessee. Indianapolis is a bad football team. Uh, Taylor's going to get surgery on his hand. Now, Moss has stepped up in his absence in that backfield, so I don't think they're dropping off a ton, but Taylor is still a really, really good back in this league, and, and Moss has shown that he can play the position as a starter over the course of some games. Can he do it over a full 17-game season? I'm not sure, but he has filled in a very and done a very nice job in Taylor's absence with the Indianapolis Colts this season because Taylor was – uh, missing those games early in the season, and now he's out with the broken hand or the hand surgery. So drop off in the indie backfield a little bit with Taylor to Moss, but it's not like they're saying they haven't experienced it this season a lot already. They have. Minshew, he's been turning the ball over, but then he makes some big plays. You're like, keep going, make some more plays. And you're like, wait a second, don't do that. Tennessee, if Levis is confident throwing the ball on time, they're hitting Hopkins in space. They're running the football effectively with Henry so that Levis can do some play-action stuff and get linebackers stepping up into the run game, and then he can loop the ball over the, their heads on those kind of crossing routes instead of just trying to fit it into windows and, and rip it in there. He can throw it with a little bit of touch. Yeah, some touch. So I like Tennessee at home here. 
Um, I understand Andy just beat Tampa, but they shouldn't have. <laughs> Pretty easy to say. All right, uh, next up, Miami-Washington. I can see Miami letting Washington hang around a little bit, uh, but Miami had an extra couple days of rest after playing on Black Friday. The Phillips injury is really going to hurt. I think everybody understands that, but they do have some players on that side of the ball. I think that defense has gotten a lot, lot better in the last few years. Um, they've drafted pretty well, and they added some really good pieces um, through trades and everything with Ramsey, of course. So Washington, I could see possibly hanging around into the second half, similar to the game on Thanksgiving where the Cowboys ended up blowing them out late in the game um, with a couple of touchdowns. I could see Miami letting them hang around a little bit, but then winning by double digits, you know, with a pick six, literally similar to the Thanksgiving game for the Cowboys. So Miami outdoors, let's see how it works because they're probably going to have to go on the road in the postseason. And we know if, if it goes through Kansas City, if it goes through Baltimore, that's outside. You know, anything can happen. So this quick offense and how does it hold up in these conditions? We'll see. We'll see if we get some conditions in. Uh, Landover at that horrific stadium. So Dolphins, I think, get a big win there. Uh, Carolina and Tampa. Listen, Carolina's really bad. I understand, you know, the interim coach thing. Maybe they get bounced back, get a win here. Tampa, again, I, I just mentioned it. They should have won in, in Indy last week. That's a That was a bad game by them in the sense that, you know, they let that one get away from them. I think it was like 17-10, then 20-10, and then they fought back to make it what, 27-20 and then couldn't score? Uh, it's just not good enough. So I think Tampa at home is better than Tampa on the road. It's pretty obvious. And uh, give me the Bucks. Rams host the Browns. Browns went from Denver to L.A. They didn't come back to Cleveland. I think that's smart. However, whether it's P.J. Walker, DTR coming out of, uh, off that injury, the Browns are not a good enough team to help these young quarterbacks like they can compete and win games here or there because of the defense. But if you're asking them to do it over the course of an entire season, because Watson missed games and now he's out for the rest of the year and you got this quarterback, that's really, really difficult to, to put that, all that pressure on a defense. I know if there is a defense, Cleveland could possibly do it. Garrett's been sensational, but now he's even banged up. I, you know, I love, McVay, you know I love Stafford. I've been riding the Rams a little bit here. I think they're a dark horse again to the postseason. I don't think they make any noise, but I think they could be a wild card team. Now, is that saying a lot? No, because who they beat out? Minnesota. You know what I mean? Who who would they beat out? Seattle. Nobody really from the South. Cowboys are probably getting the five seed. So, yeah, Minnesota and Seattle, they would either beat out or take a spot from. So I think the Rams can certainly do that. I think they found a little bit of a streak coming off the bye since Stafford healed up from that injury. Give me the Rams at home against the Browns. Then the big one, Niners-Eagles. Very interesting to me that the Niners got uh, are the favorites. I think a lot of people see Philly's, uh, they call it puck luck in, in hockey, a little bit of the ball luck in Football here, maybe winding down for the Eagles. They've been very, very fortunate to win all these games. The game they lost to the Jets, you look back on and you say, what the heck, they had all those turnovers, but they still um, lost the game. In other games, they've been trailing at halftime. Like you can't, That's not sustainable in this league. 
I think everybody understands that. I'm saying they're a really good football team. Like, don't don't start saying I'm a hater. Like, that's not what I'm saying. The Eagles are a very very good football team. That doesn't mean they're also been very fortunate with some ball, some bounces their way, some calls their way, um, and obviously the shove play, which you don't think I got. I don't want to start on that to be honest with you. So I find it a little surprising. Eagles are home dogs. But that just shows me that I think a lot of people expect them to lose this game and their great fortune run out a little bit towards the end of this post uh, regular season and into the postseason. We'll see what happens. I'm leaning that way, too. At some point, the Eagles have to lose a football game. They're not a 16. Like, they're very good, but they've we've seen them in games they should have lost. You know, the drop in Kansas City. The Cowboys have them on the ropes in their own building. The Bills have a lead in overtime and lose that one. Um, there's been a bunch of games. There's been a bunch of games. So, listen, they're a really, really good football team. That doesn't mean that they're also very lucky and have been able to win games and turn around. It's not sustainable. I don't. If you come across an Eagle fan and you say, hey, coming from behind every second half isn't sustainable, and they're like, shut up, you go birds, like, Okay, fine. But it's like, yeah, I understand. I understand your point. It's like, okay, cool. At least you understand. But you're going to get a lot of go birds, you know. Um, so give me the Niners there. Kansas City, Green Bay on Sunday night. Green Bay coming off a big win. Uh, you're hearing a little bit about Green Bay possibly making a run here and getting into the postseason. I see people, you don't want to play the pack. Uh, please, line them up. Like, I'm not, like, the pack. I'm worried about two teams in the NFC if I'm a Cowboy fan like I am. The Niners and the Eagles. If we run into one of those teams and we beat them, we got to run into the other one and beat them, and then who knows what happens. But uh, I'm not really scared of the Packers, Vikings. Lions are a good team, but they're beatable. Obviously, with that defense, Seattle's all right, but they're beatable. You know, I'm not. I'm not really scared of a lot of teams. So Green Bay at home here. I understand coming off that Thanksgiving win, they're gonna be feeling themselves. Love played well. Defense got some turnovers. But now KC comes in. And for me, I think they are still going to be relatively fired up going forward. And the defense is really, really good. I feel like they the, the couple games they've lost, they should have won, in their opinion. So... I know it's at Lambeau. I know it's, I think it's Mahomes' first time going to Lambeau. So that'd be like a historic thing, very cool thing. Um, Chiefs win the game going away. So you got that. Monday night, Bengals, no Burrow, as we know. It's Browning under center and in the gun for Cincinnati. Take on Jacksonville in North Florida. Jags trying to put together back to back wins here. Uh, three in a row after the loss, if I'm not mistaken, to. Uh, where they get blown out by Kansas City, right? Yep. So they've won a couple games in a row here, trying to make it three in a row. I think they do. I think they're the better team than Cincinnati. You could argue even with Burrow. I'm sure people would argue they're a better team than Cincinnati. Uh, but without Burrow, they certainly are. So I think they're finding a little bit of momentum. Uh, they've gotten Calvin Ridley the ball a little bit more in the last few weeks, which I think is very, very important for their team going forward to be more successful. Um, so give me the Jags at home on Monday night. All right. College football playoff. And rankings and college football segment here. 
I told you what the committee would put the rankings at on Tuesday's show. I was correct. Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Washington 3, Florida State 4, Oregon 5. They put Ohio State 6 ahead of Texas and Bama. I told you they would do that. I knew they would do that. They're tipping their hand that Ohio State is going to sneak back in if all this stuff plays out. So, real quick, the deserved narrative, okay, being shot down by Hancock, to see the executive director, and also he's preaching about the four best teams. So, we'll get into that a little bit after we preview these Power 5 games. So, we start on Friday night, Pac-12, number 5 Oregon, number 3 Washington. First time since 1976, both Pac-12 schools have been ranked in the top five of the AP poll. Pretty cool. So we look back at the previous matchup. It was number eight, Oregon, number seven, Washington. Washington won at 36 to 33. They had a weird scoring early in the game with Oregon going for two on their first touchdown. Washington ends up matching in the second quarter. They took a 22-15 lead. Ducks field goal, then a Penix pick. Ducks get no points at the end of the half. They went for it. They should. They could have kicked the field goal. They don't do that. Huskies then extended the lead in the third quarter. Ducks turned over on downs after going for it again. They do get a touchdown, so they cut the lead to three, 29-26. Next Oregon possession, they score a touchdown. Huskies then turn it over on downs. Ducks go for it, turn it over on downs. Two plays later, Huskies take the lead, and then an Oregon field goal for the tie was no good. So Washington won at home by three. Very, very close game. So that was the... Uh, previous matchup, now back into this one. Knicks and Penix. Uh, it's a Heisman showdown. Yes, I understand about Jalen Daniels and, and LSU, but if one of these two guys goes off, they're going to get a lot of votes because Jalen Daniels is at home right now. And I understand the Heisman Trophy is, is supposed to be about the best player in college football, but really a, a lot of the years it's the best player on the best team and not the best player overall across the country. Now, I understand people could be upset about that. It's always been that kind of debate, like, in baseball or NBA. Like, the best player is different than the best player on the best team. Like, could the best player in the league be the best player on the best team? Absolutely. And it does line up sometimes like that. But a lot of the times, we, you have that argument. How are you going to give it to that guy? His team isn't even 500. Well, he averages this, 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 and this. Uh, but this guy's, well, he doesn't have the stats the other guy does. Like, that's just an argument that people have. So, Knicks and Penix, one more possible Heisman moment ahead of this, uh, the ceremony coming up the night of the Army-Navy game that afternoon. So, was that two Saturdays from now? Yes, two Saturdays from now. So, the Heisman, the quarterback. Sorry, the quarterbacks. Anyway, Knicks, he's got the Bucky Irving and James backfield. Franklin is his main target. Johnson's been good. He's been uh, picking up recently as the second receiver for them. So the Oregon line is very good. And it's a Washington defense that doesn't really get to the quarterback and is ranked 93rd overall in total defense. So the Oregon offense is certainly going to get to the Washington defense. I believe that Oregon will put up points in this game. The question is, can Michael Penix effectively throw the ball, Aduzier, Polk, McMillan, Bernard, and Johnson, is he going to be able to run the ball effectively against an Oregon defense that has been shutting teams down recently, getting a bunch of turnovers, and they're ranked all the way up to 15th in the country on total defense. So everybody's leaning towards Oregon in this game. You know I have a soft spot for Oregon in my heart. Everybody knows that if you listen to this show um, or you're a fan of the old show m and um, I always like picked Oregon. I always root for Oregon in these spots, like in these big games coming out of the Pac-12. They're my Pac-12 school. Um, 
So I'm definitely picking them. I understand they're almost favored by 10 points now. People are probably like, how the hell are they? Washington's the number three team in the country in Oregon's favor because Oregon's been playing a lot better ball, and Washington's kind of been, I don't want to say limping in to this game, but they've had some more scares than Oregon has, for sure. And Oregon's defense is really, really good. I don't know how Washington's is going to hold up. Because if you look at the first game, Oregon loses by three. And they had so many mistakes. Now, you can look at the Washington team and be like, well, they had some mistakes too. Sure, fine. But why, Oregon, what they go for? on Four down four times and not get it three times. And then they miss the kick at the end. So, like, there's another game, another way that game goes down, the game script, if you want to call it, where Oregon runs away in Washington. So, I think they win the game neutral field. So, give me the Ducks. SEC, we'll go there next. Bama and Georgia. Milrow's been better for Bama. I mean, fourth and 31, what are you going to say? That's an outstanding play. Um, McClellan running the ball has been a lot better. Um, even Williams helping out in the running game. Burton and Bond have really emerged as good receivers for Milrow to throw to. Now they're going up against the number nine total defense. And the other side, Beck, quarterback in the Bulldog offense, Edwards, Milton running the ball. Powers being back is gigantic. I think everybody in Athens, when they saw Bowers and heard Bowers could come back and all this kind of stuff, I think they were a little surprised, but him coming back, I mean, he's been excellent. He's been absolutely excellent, um, and he helps that team so much. Love it. McConkie, uh, Rosemary St. Jack, they're going up against Bama's total defense number 17 in the country. Now, for the longest time, Saban assistance then beat Saban, and Kirby Smart really started that trend going the other way. You know, Sark gets them this year as well to add to that list. Uh, but Kirby Smart was really the first guy to do it and do it a couple times and do it in big spots, right, in uh, SEC championships, in national championships. So we've seen Kirby win the big spot against Saban. Now, I'll mention it a little bit, but I think Georgia's in regardless, even if they lose this game to Bama. And I think they do lose this game to Bama. I think Georgia has been tested in some spots. You know, even last week against Georgia Tech, they go up in the third quarter and then they let Tech kind of come back in the game a little bit, even though it was kind of decided. They hammer Tennessee. When Tennessee went up 7 nothing, everybody was going crazy. They, you know, I don't want to say they dog-walked Ole Miss, but, they, you know, they handled Ole Miss. Bama lost that tough game to Texas. And since then, I've been in some scares, for sure. But some of these games they've pulled out, like, the Auburn game is sensational. Like, how did they win that game? So, they're getting a little bit of luck right now. I think that might continue into this SEC title game. Give me Bama. And I don't think... I don't think you keep a winning streak against Saban. I just don't think that happens. So, I think at some point, Saban gets you back. All right, Big Ten, number 16, Iowa, number two, Michigan. The Michigan offense, McCarthy, welcoming back his head coach, Harbaugh, to the sidelines. You know the backs, Corman Edwards. Roman Wilson's been excellent. You know, we were worried about him in the Ohio State game if he was banged up. He makes some big plays in that passing game. Loveland, the tight end, good blocker as well. The number seven total defense for the Iowa Hawkeyes, but an awful 
Iowa offense on the other side of the ball going up against the number two defense. And I think that's where the trouble is because even if Iowa has a really good defensive showing, they can't do it for 60 minutes against a, a superior Michigan team. They can't keep Michigan under 10 points. I, I That would be... I mean, that's stuff of legends if they do that and find a way to win this game 12-10 or 13-10. You know what I'm saying? But Iowa's offense, they need to win this game literally 6-3. You know, 10-7. If this gets to the teens, if it gets to the short, they got no chance. Their offense is horrendous. And Michigan's defense is really good. Now, I understand Iowa's defense is pretty good, too. But the Big Ten West is a lot of bad offenses. And they played Rutgers in a crossover game. No offense to Rutgers. You know I'm a big fan. But the quarterback stinks. And by the way, Shiano, go get one of these quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Let's go. Come on. So give me Michigan big. What are we talking about here? All right, Big 12. Number 18, Oklahoma State. Number 7, Texas. Texas has been great at home. They haven't been great on the road besides the Bama game. Now, they've won the games, but they haven't been great on the road. The other neutral site game they played this year, they lost against Oklahoma, right, as we know. It's tough to run against this Texas defense, and unfortunately, that's what Oklahoma State loves to do with Gordon. In another year, Gordon is maybe going to New York as a Heisman finalist. Not really this year with the quarterback play that we've seen across the country. And then the Texas offense, Worthy seems like he's fine. Him and Mitchell are going to be stars in the passing game. Brooks and Baxter in the running game. And Ewers has had a good season when he's played. And he's been healthy, relatively, right? So could Oklahoma State pull something off because these games are usually close and Texas could, you know, pull a Texas because what have we seen Texas do since that Natty and Vince Young? Lose, lose a lot of big games and big spots. You know, sure, they've beaten Oklahoma in years, and then they've lost another game that they shouldn't lose. Or years they've lost to Oklahoma, then they run the table, and you're like, what the hell? You couldn't have beaten Oklahoma? So I think Texas is a good football team. I am worried a little bit about neutral site in the sense because it, they will sell it. You know, Cowboy Stadium will be very burn orange, but there will also be some Oklahoma State fans for sure. And I'll tell you what. Oklahoma State, after beating OU, would love, would love nothing more, okay, to send Texas out with a, with a loss in the Big 12. Say, all right, Texas, see you later. They would love that. They beat Oklahoma in the last Bedlam game for a while, most likely, and if they could beat Texas in a big 12 title game and knock them out of the playoff contention. You know how fired up Gundy's going to be for that. So if Oklahoma State's in this game, they could pull it off. But if Texas comes out and kind of just throws their will across the field for 60 minutes, that's going to be tough. Especially because what Oklahoma State loves to do is run the football. Now I know Bowman, you know, the transfer was Tech. He was at Texas Tech. Doesn't have the worst yardage numbers, but only, I think, 10 touchdowns, 11 picks. That's not good. So they got to run the ball. 
it's tough to do that against Texas. If they can do it and stay successful, we'll see what happens, but it'll be a tough ask. Number 14, Louisville. Number 4, Florida State in the ACC title game. Roadmaker in for Travis, as we know. Benson probably be the bell cow for the Knolls. On the other side of the ball, Plummer going up against a top 20 FSU defense. Now, Louisville, out of all these dogs, you know, you knock the Oregon-Washington game out because that's just different. Bama, I know they're getting like five, five and a half. I saw some places, but this Louisville team is certainly alive here. Um, it, it It's a team that, can take advantage of Florida State, you know, talking about the deserved narrative and all that kind of stuff. Like, Florida State is maybe peacocking a little a week too early. Because if they lose, they're definitely out, in my opinion. And if they win, they still could be out. So, I understand they got to make their arguments and talking points, but they should win the game first. So, we'll see what happens there. I think that is the game that could be the upset um, more than likely out of the five games. Because, sure, I, I like Bama more than I like Georgia, and I'm picking Bama. Everybody knows I'll pick Bama. That being said, I think this could be the upset here, Louisville against Florida State. And then a spot would free up for somebody. So if you look at the breakdown here with the eight teams, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, winning in most likely, right? I mean, they're in the spots already. Maybe the seeding gets changed a little bit. But if Georgia wins, they're in. If they lose, they might even still be in. But Michigan winning in. Washington certainly winning in. Florida State's in a weird spot. Even with a win, they could be the team left out because of the deserving narrative, all that kind of stuff that we're talking about, right? So that could happen. Now, Oregon win, and they should be in. Theoretically, they should take Washington's spot, right? Washington's in right now. If they beat Washington and avenge their only loss of the season, they should just take Washington's spot. I think that makes a lot of sense, right? So that's Oregon's argument. Texas now is going to hope that they blow out Oklahoma State and they actually take somebody's spot, whether that's FSU, if they drop out, or even possibly jumping FSU, which I think some people would be, you know, would say it's crazy if FSU even won, but we'll see. Um, so Texas is going to be like, okay, you know, we should jump Ohio State because we just wanted another football game that they didn't play. Bama can't jump us. if, And if Bama jumps us, we should certainly be in because there's no way because we beat them. So that's going to be their talking points. And they're going to really hope to either take the Pac-12 loser spot also, if FSU loses. Now, Bama needs a win, needs help, and they need the arguments to happen where they need to make the claim that the SEC is the best league and there's no chance you're leaving out a one-loss SEC champ. Now, they can say who the other teams are in comparison, but they will always go back to, we won the conference. We gave Georgia their loss. We should be in. Especially, like, imagine if Georgia loses and, and Bama stays out. So, like, Georgia loses. They don't – Georgia slides to five somehow. Bama goes to – like, both SEC teams go. There would be – I'm telling you this right now. The SEC would schedule a football game between Georgia and Bama and be like, this is a national championship. <laughs> They'd be like, rematch. <laughs> this is a national championship. Don't play other bowl games. Don't go to the New Year's Six. We're playing each other again for a national championship. I can see that. So, Bama needs a win. 
They need some help, whether that's Texas losing in front of them, whether that's Florida State also losing in front of them, but they need some spots to free up. And now Ohio State, even though they're sixth, if a team like Texas or Bama wins from behind them, they will jump Ohio State because they've played this weekend and Ohio State didn't. Because if Ohio State, for the second straight year, gets to sit out this week and benefit from losing to Michigan and getting in, we're going to have a problem. So Ohio State needs Bama, Texas, Oregon, and Florida State all to lose because that's how that fourth spot would open up. Georgia stays in. Uh, Michigan stays in. Washington stays in. FSU drops out. They drop Oregon out. They drop Texas, and Bama can't jump them. So Ohio State would have to be like the last man standing. So that's what Ohio State – Ohio State is hoping for some – chaos in a sense with the Texas and Florida State losses and also Oregon because Oregon's heavily favored but Georgia's favored against Bama so those are the scenarios I think to me the four best teams if you wanted to ask me going into this week Michigan Georgia Oregon Bama even though people are going to get mad at that. You're like, you just like Bama and Saban. You just like Saban. Fine. But I'm not saying Ohio State, please. If Ohio State, like, the committee tipped their hand. They put them sixth. It's a joke. I told you they were going to do it. If you listen to the show on, on Tuesday, I said, here's what there's one through eight is going to be. And I called it. So, all right, let's go to footy now. Champions League match day five recap and some stipulations ahead of match day six. Group E. Celtic lose to Lazio, 2-0 in Italy, Immobile a brace, and then Athletic beat Fenidord 3-1. So Athletic, Athletic, Atletico Madrid on 11 points. They've qualified for the round of 16. They can clinch first place with a win or a draw against Lazio, and Lazio have clinched the round of 16. They can clinch first place with a win against Atletico Madrid. So that's how it plays out for Group E with those two teams playing against each other. Group F. We had PSG Newcastle 1-1. Isak scored for the visitors and then a stoppage time penalty. Big decisions in Paris with the VAR, with Champions League, UEFA, all that kind of stuff. It was Mbappe's stoppage time pen equalizer that split the points there. And then Dortmund beat Milan 3-1. A Reese pen, Chikawuzi goal um, for Milan. Beyond Gittins and then Adiemi for Dortmund. So Dortmund have 10 points. They've qualified for the round of 16. PSG have seven. They're at least going to Europa. They can qualify for the round of 16 with a win against Borussia Dortmund or a draw. And they also need a Newcastle draw or a loss against AC Milan. Newcastle have five points. They can go to the round of 16 with a win against AC Milan, and they need a PSG loss against Dortmund. AC Milan are also on five points. They can go to the round of 16 with a win against Newcastle and then a PSG loss against Dortmund. So PSG, Newcastle, AC Milan... Three teams for one spot after Dortmund have done the job in Group F, the group of death. All right. Uh, group G, we have Man City beating Rebel Leipzig 3-2. Uh, Openda had a brace for Rebel Leipzig and then a Holland goal, a Foden goal, and an Alvarez goal. Foden equalizer, Holland, uh, Alvarez winner. And that's how City turned around another 2-0 deficit. That seems to be... What they do now. You know, Eagles are down at halftime and Man City's down 2 0. I mean, it just happens all the time. <sighs> Can't tell that I'm sour about that. Sorry. Anyway, and then Young Boys beat Red Star 2 0. So Man City, five wins from five. They've qualified for first place. 
Uh, they qualified for the round 16 and clinched first place, and Rebel Leipzig have clinched second place. Group H, Barcelona 2-1 over Porto. Pepe got the scoring start for Porto, but Cancelo, Equalizer, Jao Felix, winner for Barcelona, and Shakhtar beat Antwerp 1-0. Barcelona have qualified for the round of 16 and clinched first place. Porto, guaranteed at least Europe, Europa, and they can qualify for uh, Champions League knockout with a win or draw against Shakhtar. Shakhtar on nine points, but with goal difference, they need a win against Porto. All right. Group A, weird match here. Bayern and Copenhagen. And it's not like Bayern played a, a weak side. They still played a lot of their guys and had a strong enough bench. But nil-nil in uh, the Allianz against Copenhagen. Copenhagen set up well. And then the other match in hell in Istanbul, Galatasaray, three Manchester United three. Garnacho opened up the scoring. Bruno made it 2-0. A Ziyech free kick, wrong-footed Onana. McTominay in the second half gave United another two-goal lead to make it 3-1. Another Ziyech free kick, wrong-foots Onana. And then the equalizer from Aturkulu. I believe that's how you say it. So 3-3, that one finishes up. And Man U's in trouble. Bayern Munich have clinched first place in the round of 16. Copenhagen on five points can qualify for the round of 16 with a win or a draw against Galatasaray. Galatasaray need a win against Copenhagen, and United need a win against Bayern Munich and a draw in the Copenhagen-Galatasaray game. So United need to beat Munich. Now Munich don't really have to play for anything. So will they put out a weaker side? We'll see. Or will they stick it to United? We'll see about that as well. So very interesting to play out in Group A. Uh, Group B. Arsenal hammer Len. Len beat them in France, and Arsenal let them know, coming to London, you're going to get chefed up, boy. That's what they say over there. So Arsenal win it 6-0. Six different goal scorers for Arteta's Gunners. Havertz, Jesus, Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, and Jorginho in the second half made it 6-0. PSV beat Sevilla 3-2. Uh, I think Sevilla had a 2-0 lead, if I'm not mistaken. Pepe. Stoppage time, winner versus 10 men Sevilla. Then another guy gets sent off for Sevilla. So Arsenal have qualified and clinched first place. PSC have qualified in second place in that Group B. Group C, Real Madrid, Napoli. Fun game here. Real Madrid went at 4-2. It was actually Napoli went up 1-0. It was Simeone who put the visitors on the board at the Bernabeu. Then it was Rodrigo. Great goal. Bellingham, great goal. And Guisa made it 4-2, but then Paz, his first Real Madrid goal, and Jocelyn with the insurance gave the Madristas, the three points. And Braga and Union Berlin finished 1-1. Niaquinte got sent off for Braga. Gusen scored, but then a equalizer from Alvario Dejalo. I think that's how you say it. Sorry, 1-1. So Real have clinched first place. Napoli on seven points are guaranteed at least Europa. They can qualify for the round of 16 with a win or a draw against Braga uh, or a loss where Braga doesn't make up the head-to-head goal difference. Braga has to beat Napoli, and have a better goal-scored record against Napoli. So that's who they're playing against there. Group D, Benfica-Inter. What a match this was. <laughs> Benfica, a Jao Mario hat-trick, made it 3-0 in Portugal for the host, but then Arnautovic got one back. Fertesi got a second, and then a Alexis Sanchez-Pen was the equalizer. 3-3 point split there. And Real Sociedad, Rebel Salzburg, also split the points. That one was nil-nil. So Real Sociedad, 11 points. They can... Clinch first place with a winner draw against Inter. Inter on 11 points. They need a win against Sociedad to get first place. 
Salzburg eliminated going to Europa. So the list of qualified teams through five match days, Munich, Arsenal, PSV, Real Madrid, Real Sociedad, Inter Milan, Atletico Madrid, Lazio, Borussia Dortmund, Manchester City, and Barcelona. All right, weekend soccer preview, EPL, Burnley, and Sheffield United. Six-pointer here, and it still could be by two teams going down at the end of the year, but this is a gigantic six-pointer at Turf Moor. Um, both teams need a result, so we'll see what happens there. Brentford against Luton. Luton have played a little bit better, gotten some results that they settled into this Premier League campaign, their first. Um, but I like Brentford with Frank. He's a good manager. I know they have injuries, but they'll start putting it together in January when they get some fresh legs in with Tony coming off of suspension. So they only have a few more, um, well, some games still because we know the festive fixtures with the scheduling is crazy. Uh, but give me Brentford there. Arsenal-Wolves. Wolves have been screwed by a lot of decisions, and in big games they show up. So I think they will show up in this one, and Arsenal will be flying high after the 6-0, top of the table. If they win, they're still top of the table. Kind of a situation for another week. Um, so I like Arsenal to win the game, but Wolves will make it difficult. Wolves will make it difficult. I expect them to hang around, at least score a goal. Forrest and Everton. Everton are going to need every point they can get after what happened to them with the 10-point deduction, which I think is just heinous and, and inexplicable, to be honest. Now, Forrest at home under Steve Cooper. I know they have injuries, but they have won matches at the city ground. They've done a really, really good job of not letting teams come in there and just take a bunch of points off of them. Have they had some draws against some big clubs? Sure, but they don't let them win there pretty much. So I think Forrest in a big spot against Everton where, you know, we look back on this game in three months where one of these teams is out of the relegation battle, one of them is in it. We say, okay, that was a, that was a big three points. You know what I mean? So I think Forrest get it. Newcastle, Manchester United. Um, Newcastle have a bunch of injuries but are finding their way. Miley's come into the midfield and done really, really well in the absence of some of those guys. I know it's injuries, but also Tenali's been suspended. Um, Isak comes back, and Callum Wilson's still banged up. So they got a lot of injuries. United, we know, have a lot of injuries, but United have just kind of been in crisis all year. Ten Hag said he prefers to be in crisis, which I think is insane, but God bless. Um, I don't know. He's just a weirdo, but I don't know. United put together some good results, and then they shock you with one, even though it shouldn't be a shock anymore. And I think Newcastle have been playing a little bit better at St. James Park. It's a difficult place to play. It's a difficult place to win. Give me Newcastle. Liverpool host Fulham at Anfield. Uh, Fulham have gotten some results. Uh, I, I think, you know, moving on from Mitrovic and bringing in Jimenez, it's been different. Uh, but Willian, Decord over Reed, they've provided some play, uh, some goals from the wing. Paulinho has been really, really good after not making the move to Bayern Munich and, and staying in London. But Liverpool's midfield has been brilliant. Uh, I know Jota will be out, so that is going to be a big miss. But they could play Diaz out there. They can play Gakpo out there. It's not like if if you lost Sal on the right wing, I'd be certainly more concerned about somebody than losing somebody on the left wing. Um, I think Liverpool win the game. It's at Anfield with fans. I mean, come on. West Ham, Crystal Palace, London Derby. Big one. Uh, Crystal Palace getting some of their guys back. Olise, Eze, some of their playmakers, some of their guys that you want the ball at their feet um, in space, in the, in, in the box, and in the areas of attack. So I think Crystal Palace 
will play this match and, and come out and play. I think West Ham will come out and play this match. I think we get an exciting one, maybe 2-2-3-3. Two, two, three, three. Chelsea, Brighton. You know, I understand Chelsea just lost against Newcastle. They make it 1-1, and then they, they concede a bunch of goals in, in a row there, two in a quick spur, and then another goal. I really think this Chelsea team is going to build something and continue to be um, a project for Pochettino if they give him time and they and they don't bring in a bunch of players again. Like, let these players play with together and see what you got before you keep bringing in other players. Like, I hear about the Osman, like, going to get Osman for Napoli. Like, first of all, I probably see him going to Arsenal. But if you go get him, like, what happens in Jackson? What happens to Nkuku? Like, Nkuku hasn't played, like, a minute yet. You haven't even given him a chance, and you're already thinking about a new striker. Like, what are you talking about? So, Brighton, unfortunately, with Fati, um, and they have some a bunch of other injuries for Deserby. I think it'll catch up with them. I think Chelsea bounced back after the loss to Newcastle. Give me Chelsea at home at the bridge. Bournemouth, Villa. Villa are really good. Uh, Emery has them playing. He's got some injuries in the midfield. It doesn't matter. The They just kind of fill in with whatever formation he wants. Diaby's come in and hit the ground running. Him and Watkins have made a very good partnership up top in the attacking end. Um... Bournemouth, you need Billing back. Billing is such an important player. Uh, Solanke's been good, but Billing provides them goals from the midfield and then like in the attacking wings as well. So give me Villa to get a result there at least. And then City-Tottenham. If Tottenham had their 11, I'd be very, very excited for this match. You know, Van de Ven and Romero up against Holland. Um, Adogi and Poro up against the wingers of... Foden and, and, and Doku or Grealish on that side. In, in the midfield, you would have had Saar, Basuma, Madison against Rodri, uh, Bernardo Silva, Julian Alvarez, Kobe, whoever, right? Like, you're missing a lot of guys for Tottenham, unfortunately. But that, it is what it is. And if you don't have a deep squad in this league, a couple injuries here or there really, really hurt you. We've seen it happen with Liverpool. We've seen it happen with now Tottenham. We've seen it happen with Arsenal even in some places, right? Um, City are really good. City are going to turn them inside out. They're going to Tottenham's going to play the high line with the, with not guys on, not true center backs. So they're in trouble. Man City big. La Liga, Real Madrid, Granada, and then Barcelona, Atletico. We got Serie A action. Monza, Juventus, Lazio host Casieri, AC Milan, and Frosinone in the San Siro. Roma travel to Sassuolo and Napoli host Inter. Bundesliga action. Rebel Leipzig, Heidenheim, Bayern, Munich host Union Berlin, and Leverkusen, Dortmund. Huge game. Very, very exciting game in, in, in Germany there in the Bundesliga. Ligue 1, Nats, and Nice, and Le Havre against PSG. Uh, some college basketball, the ACC, SEC Challenge. Georgia Tech uh, beat Mississippi State 67-59. That's a good win for them. South Carolina handles Notre Dame. Hughes puts it on LSU, 80-57. to And then how about this Kentucky team who aren't even full strength yet? If you look at their team, absolutely hammered Miami. I think they went on like a 26-4 run at 20, 26-6 run at some point from the early second half to blow that game absolutely wide open. So, And Miami's a good team with a lot of veteran players and a good coach in Laranega. So um, it's a great win for Kentucky. Mizzou beats Pitt. Ole Miss hammers NC State. And then Clemson, Bama. Uh, Hall on Clemson. Gerard, the transfer from Syracuse. They got another guard, Hunter, I think. Um, Chase Hunter, right? So 
That's a, not a good loss for Bama, even though Clemson's not a bad team. But you got to win your games at home, that's for sure. So the Wednesday games in this uh, ACC-SEC challenge, as I'm recording this, you got Duke, Arkansas, Tennessee, UNC. UNC's killing Tennessee right now. Uh, A&M, UAVA is in a game. You got Florida Wake, D.C. Vandy, Georgia, Florida State. Could be a playoff game. And college football. And you got Vatek, Auburn. Good game. And we got the Big East, Big 12. So no love for the uh, ACC in this one. Oh, no, this is the ACC. Who was it before? No love for the Big Ten. That's who we're looking. That's who's the odd man out here. Um, Texas Tech, Butler, Creighton, Oklahoma State, Houston, Xavier, St. John's, West Valley. Used to be Big East. UConn, Kansas is the big one. I think that's Friday night. That'll be a really, really fun game. Flip that on in between, uh, or having your multiple screens going, of course, right? With uh, Oregon, Washington going on. Have that basketball game on. UConn, Kansas. That could be a Final Four. That could be a Natty. That could be all. Uh, that could be so many games in March Madness. A regional final. So UConn, Kansas. Then we got TCU and Georgetown. Then you got Marquette, Wisconsin, the Battle of Wisconsin. So some very, very big games in college basketball. You get the conference tournament crossovers. Those are always fun. All right. Now to the picks portion of the show. Let's go to the Survivor Pool Locks. Twenty-eight and eight on the season, Survivor Pool Locks. Two home and a road here. I so hopefully not too many rule breakers, but hopefully a couple teams that you didn't use yet that you can use. If you're still in your pool. So 28-8 through, what, 12 weeks now? Now we're on, yeah, 12 weeks, so week 13. All right. Pick number one, Pittsburgh against Arizona at home. The Steelers will find a way to win this game. You might be sweating it. You might be sweating it to a Boswell field goal to end the game. You know what I mean? Like, but the Steelers will win this game. Steelers will win this game. Um... You might be sweating. You might be cursing at me. But the Stillers won this game at home. Dolphins go to the Commanders in Washington. Could be ugly. Could be sloppy. Commanders could hang around and muck it up. But the Dolphins will win this game. Dolphins have shown that they're going to beat up on bad teams. And when they step up, they're going to have a tough time of it so far. So give me the Dolphins in Washington. Pick number two. And then pick number three, Monday night. Jacksonville at home against Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a good football team, but they don't have their guy. Um, and Browning's a nice story, but what are we talking about here? I'm not trying to knock the guy, but come on. Jacksonville at home, coming off that big division win on the road. You want primetime games. You played the Titans on Thursday night for so many years, and that game stunk. That was your primetime. Now you got a Monday night game in your building. You just took the lead back in your division. Go win a game at home on Monday. So, the picks are Sarpulaks for Week 13. Pittsburgh at home against Arizona. The Miami Dolphins going to Washington to take on the Commanders. And the Jacksonville Jaguars at home on Monday night taking on the Bengals. So, those are the Sarpulaks for Week 13. All right. So, that was Survivor Pool Locks. The other picks segment is the pick six as you know the fff soss pick six for week 13 in the national football league the league where they play for pay
40, 30, and 2. We've had some good weeks here. Courtesy, really, of the primetime unders have carried us back over 500. And to where we are. But I've been picking the other games all right. But since we've just mentioned it, primetime unders. Seahawks-Cowboys under 48 on Thursday night in Dallas. Uh, I think the Cowboy defense will do a really good job on Seattle. I think the Cowboy offense might not want to show everything they got going into this big stretch of the season uh, with the Eagles coming up again. So I think it's a lower scoring game. If it gets close, it's because it's a blowout. And I think maybe the other team sits on it, the, the Seahawks. So give me pick number one, Seattle, Dallas, under 48 on Thursday night, our first primetime under. Pick number two, I think everybody might be racing to take Denver as a dog here on a winning streak. I know they're on the road. But Houston has really impressed me. And I know they lost the game against Jacksonville. But they had a lot of chances to win it, and they had a lot of opportunities. And I think if one of them goes their way, they win the game at home, right? If that's even overtime or even previously, if, if Stroud drives them down the field for a touchdown instead of a game-tying field goal attempt, right? So I like Houston, minus three, in their building against the Denver team that might be reading their press clippings a little bit, might be getting a little too excited about postseason when they shouldn't be, right? So I like... Houston, pick number two at home against Denver. Houston minus three, the Texans, at home against the Broncos. Pick number three. I've been taking this team. You know I love McVay. You know I love Stafford. Cleveland's defense is a good unit. But without a comparable, a comparable quarterback, like they're not going to play well. Like, I'm sorry. So I'm going to tell you this right now. Rams minus three against Cleveland at home. Rams get it done. Win the game, cover the game. Rams minus three at home against the Browns. Pick number three. Pick number four. Niners, minus two. In Philly, I understand that. The Niners have thought about this game since they lost it. You know, they felt that they blew out the Cowboys. They got a little excited. They had some injuries. They lost some games. They rebounded since that. They've been really good since that, right? They've been thinking about this game, going to this stadium and finding a way to win a football game. Because they feel like they got robbed last year. And it wasn't an officiating decision. It wasn't. It was just an injury to the quarterback. And then an injury to the backup, too. But they're begging you to take the Eagles. I think everybody, like, Eagles certainly can win the football game. I'm not saying that they can't. But I just, I like the Niners team. I think at some point it catches up with the Eagles. They should have lost a couple games already recently that they didn't. You're not going to see a team go 16-1. and one. That's not happening. So pick number four, San Francisco Niners, minus two in Philadelphia. Taking on the Eagles. NFC Championship rematch. 
And then picks five and six. Well, you already know where we're going, right? Sunday night, Kansas City, Green Bay, under 43. Kansas City's defense will be the big factor in this game. Packers offense, they're going to be reading their clippings and saying, hey, we put up some points against the lot. It's only 29, and they got a safety late, so it was really only 27, right? And I'm pretty sure they had pick a scoop of score, right, against them? So how many points did they really put up? Chief offense, I'm concerned about the wide receivers. I think I've, t I've made that point before. And it's not like an unpopular point. It's a very popular point, but it's a true point. So I think Casey wins the game something like 30-13. You push at worst case. But they probably win it 27-10. You win. So give me Kansas City, Green Bay, under 43, pick number five. Pick number six. Monday night, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, under 39. I know it's low. It's going to be low. Jacksonville defense is going to be all over that Cincinnati offense without Burrow. And I think the Cincinnati defense knows their only way to stay in the game is to hold that Jacksonville defense or offense to the field goal. So under 39. Pick number one, Seattle, Dallas, under 48 Thursday night. Pick number two, Houston, minus three against Denver in Houston. Pick number three, Rams at home, minus three against the Cleveland Browns. Pick number four, Niners on the road in Philly, giving two to the Eagles. Pick number five, Kansas City, Green Bay, under 43. Pick number six, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, under 39. The Week 13 FFF SOSS pick six for the National Football League. All right, so we will now go to December. You know, serious football gets played in December. We got a heck of a gigantic football week. We got Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday all day, and then Sunday we'll figure out who's in the playoff, and then we get that NFC championship rematch with the Niners going to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. So big football weekend. We will recap it all on Tuesday's show. Everybody enjoy it. And I will talk to you then. Until then, peace. the name of it guys check out his podcast that sounds like my kind of podcast football 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 and sometimes other sports show sounds like me